Real good to be here. Good to see you. It's been a tremendous privilege for me for the last 13 years to minister there at the Methodist Central Hall. Um, I'm a Methodist. That's why I'm there. I'll let you into a secret. There's not going to be one Methodist in heaven. And I'll let you into another. There's not going to be any Baptist there either. And another, there's no Anglicans. PCC are just holding on now. <laughs> hey, hey, you see, when we get to glory, we'll leave the labels behind. And I've always regarded these, these services, I mean, it's a kind of a mixed thing really. It's just difficult to build a church and then close it, you know, once a flood, isn't it, on a Sunday night. It's a bit difficult that. But I've always felt that to join together like this and things like this, some of us remember when we used to have the Plymouth Bible Week. Do you remember that? That was great. And you kind of left the labels outside and to gather here like this tonight is just a wonderful thing. I think it's a foretaste of heaven, actually. You better get used to each other because you're going to be together a long time. <laughs> now, last... last um, Last Sunday was the Feast of Pentecost. We were thinking about the coming of the Spirit. And so tonight I want us just to think about a, a, a passage in the Acts of the Apostles. I don't know if it's going to come up on the screen. Is it going to come up on the screen there? It's absolutely there. Fine. There you go. If you've got a Bible in front of you, it would be helpful, I think, if you were to just turn to it. This is a really important passage of Scripture. Um... The reading begins at verse 42 um, in chapter 2. But actually, to get the context, we need to look at the earlier verse. It tells us that of the people who responded to Peter's message on the Feast of Pentecost. And Luke, as he writes the Acts of the Apostles, tells us that there were about 3,000 who were added to the number that day. And then it goes straight into what they did. Uh, this is really important because it's a kind of blueprint for the church. Let me read. They devoted themselves... Oh, there we are on the screen by the wonders of technology. It's marvellous. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Just a prayer. 
Our loving Father, we thank you so much for your word. We praise you for the spirit who inspired its writing. And we pray now that that same spirit will be at work amongst us and within us, that he will take this great truth and apply it lovingly to each of our hearts, that from this written word by the spoken word, we may be able once again to encounter the living word, even our Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. don't know if you ever watch, um, they call it Antiques Roadshow. Do you know? You're missing it, actually. <laughs> Do you watch Antiques Roadshow? Or um, Flog It? Do you watch that sometimes? You sad people. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you watch these things, you say, what you do is, you get, you get some guy and he brings something along, a plate or a piece of cutlery or something like that, and they hand it to the experts, and the expert looks at it, oh, yes, <laughs> What he does is, as soon as he gets it, the expert, he admires it, he makes remarks about it, because he's playing to the camera, but then, and then he says, now let's have a close look, and he turns it over, you know, and he looks for the maker's mark on the back. This piece of cutlery, or a piece of jewellery, or a watch, or something of that kind, a ring. Sometimes you get a little, little thing out, put it in his eye, and I don't know what they I know what they're called, but I've forgotten it now. A loop! That's it, it's called a loop. Did you know that? You've learned something tonight, you see. It's marvellous. Come again. He puts this thing in his eye like, and it's a magnifying glass. And he looks very closely and he sees the hallmark. And the hallmark tells him everything about it. Now, it seems to me that here what we've got in these opening these uh, these verses in uh, Acts chapter two. At end of the chapter, the opening of the church. What we've got is the hallmarks of what it is to be in a spirit-filled church. Hey, boy. You see, sometimes people judge the spirit coming in all sorts of different ways. When I was a, a minister in uh, Liverpool, I met a bishop. Uh, the bishop condescended to speak to me, which was quite good, really. And... Um, he told me that he'd just come back from one of the uh, country in Africa, I think it was Kenya, I think. He'd been visiting them on behalf of the Anglican Church in this country. They held a special service in the cathedral where um, he attended, and he was representing British Church of England, and the local bishop was also present. Well, now, they wanted to do things right, so they had a rehearsal, who walked where and who sat where and everything, and they agreed that these two bishops would walk down the aisle together, side by side. When they got to the front, they would pair one to the left and one to the right, and sit at either side of the altar. And, and the service began, and that's what happened. When they got to the uh, altar, uh, one bishop went one way and one went the other way, and they sat. The uh, British bishop sat and waited, expecting the uh, African bishop to begin. But the African bishop did nothing. So they just sat and waited. After a little while, the English bishop thought, that maybe it was me. Maybe I've got it wrong. So he looks across, and says, What's happening? 
The African bishop looks across and says, we're waiting. What are we waiting for? (laughs) We're waiting. He said we waited about five minutes. And then the African bishop said, we're waiting for the Spirit. And then there was a kind of murmuring. Do you know what I mean? A kind of... Waves of praise began. And the African bishop turns to the British bishop and said, Now the spirit come, now we begin. I wonder, I wonder how you judge the presence of the spirit. I wonder if you go from an evening worship or morning service and somebody says to you, how was it? And you say, the spirit was there. What was the big criteria for judging the presence of the spirit? I wonder if it's all about experience. What's an interesting thing here is that as a result of the Holy Spirit coming, something happens to these people. 3,000 respond and they are changed. And the Spirit, as it were, puts his hallmarks on the life of the church. What are those hallmarks? Let me simply share them with you tonight. Let me say, first of all, that there was what I want to call an increased spiritual appetite. They were kind of hungry for more. They didn't have to be persuaded, these people. There was just a longing in them for more of God. It manifests itself immediately, as soon as we uh, read this passage, the first verse, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That word devoted is a very strong word. If you see a couple walking down the road, an elderly couple, they've been married for years, they're walking hand in hand down the road. What do you say? They're devoted to one another. It's a kind of absolute commitment. Now, when these people received the Spirit at Pentecost, they responded to Peter's message and the Holy Spirit came and he did something in them. And one of the things that he did was... He created a longing within them and that longing needed to be satisfied. And the way it was satisfied was that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were desperate to learn more. I tell you, never mind jumping and bumping about in in worship or swinging from the chandeliers. The, the, the hallmark of the Spirit coming is when there is a deep longing in the hearts of the people of God to know more of the things of God. You can have all the jumping about you want. It can be in the flesh, you know. But the hallmark is a longing to know more of God. Now, you're thinking... They devoted themselves. What did they devote themselves? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You say to me, it's all right. We don't have the apostles. You say they were better off. They could meet people who'd met with Christ. They could talk to him. 
uh, they could ask questions. We don't have that, you say. I tell you something else. You have something far better than that. Because the apostles' teaching has been crystallized for us in this great book. And so you see that what happens when the Spirit comes is that the Spirit creates a longing to be satisfied in the people who respond and they long to know more and the way they know more is through this book. It is a hallmark of a Spirit-filled church that there is a deep desire to know more of Scripture. Get inside this book And let us, as churches, commit ourselves, whatever else we do, there are great things that we're doing, projects of this kind or another, but there is no substitute for the systematic exposition of this book. There is no substitute for little groups, here, there, dotted about in the life of the church, who who unpack this book, who discover in this book the Word of God for them. And as they discover it, they find this great hunger satisfied. So this increased spiritual appetite manifests itself in a deep desire to know more of the things of God. But you see, there's something else. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That's to say, the whole thing about the spiritual life was really important. As you get on further, you see that they met together every day in the temple courts, and indeed they broke bread in their own homes. Glad and sincere hearts, praising God and finding favour with all the people. Worship and prayer and the things of God were increasingly important. I tell you, now that's what happens when the Spirit comes. He creates in the hearts of people a longing. Do you know, when the Spirit comes, you can't keep them away. We spend all our time trying to get them here. The Holy Spirit does it in 30 seconds. You'll forgive me, mentioning this. Friday, last Friday, was the 24th of May. The 24th of May was the day that John Wesley was converted. He was already an Anglican clergyman. He'd been searching for God. He went, he says, very reluctantly to a little room in Aldersgate Street. It was a Moravian meeting. Someone there was reading Luther's preface to Paul's epistle to the Romans. I know that at that time it wasn't written in English. So it was read either in Latin or in German, probably German. So here he is, this Anglican clergyman, with an emptiness in his own life, a a devotional life, which would put all yours to shame, actually, but an emptiness in his heart. 
He goes to this room in Aldersgate Street. He reads something. He ju- it was just, I mean, there's not, no, there's no excitement about the meeting. It was pretty dull from our standards, actually. Just somebody stood there and read it. In a foreign tr- language. And he says, at about a quarter before nine, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And I knew that he had taken away my sin, even mine. The story develops, but in February 1739, he went to hear George Whitfield preach in Bristol. He said, when he writes in his journal, he says, at one time, this is, this is the high Anglican, he says, at one time I would have thought the saving of a soul was almost a sin if it was not done in church. But he discovered an opportunity. What he did then was he threw his leg over that horse, poor horse, and that horse took him here, there and everywhere, all over the country, proclaiming the good news of Jesus. It brought renewal to the church. We, we call it the first evangelical awakening. It was a time of revival in this land. And I'll tell you, when the spirit moves like that, you don't have to tell people to come to church. They just come. They used to meet, these, these early Methodists, they used to meet at 5 a.m. for the preaching service. Five in the morning. And you didn't have to browbeat them to get them there. They were there. When the revival broke in Wales in 1904, 100,000 people were converted between October 1904 and February 1905. 100,000 in six months. You didn't have to persuade them to come to chapel. You couldn't keep them away, actually. You couldn't keep them away. I tell you, if you would just mark my words, you go and look at some of these chapels, you look at the dates on the foundation stones. The dates on the foundation stones tell you when the revival was. And there'll be one day that will roughly correspond to the first evangelical awakening, and then often it'll say extended. 1875, Second Evangelical Awakening. In Wales, it'll say further extension, 1904. And what the, and nowadays they're carpet warehouses. What's gone wrong? Why is it that we spend so much of our time worrying about how to get people to come to church? I tell you, when the Spirit of God moves, we don't need to persuade people. He just does it. He just gets them there. Because He creates in the hearts of people a hunger for the things of God. And actually, some of us here, we've experienced this when the Holy Spirit has moved into our lives in a, in a deep and powerful way, you couldn't keep us away from church. We were there at every opportunity. 
Members of our family said, what are you going again for? When I came to Christ, some wet Sunday evenings, I didn't have a, I was a teenager, I had to catch a bus down from where I was to the church that I belonged to. It's a wet night, filthy, cold winter, north of England. My mother used to say, there won't be many there tonight. She was wrong. She was wrong. And I know why they came. Because the Spirit did the work. That's why. That's why. I could say more about that, but I mustn't. The danger is, you see, we get into a... We think we're selling a product. And we tailor the product to meet the market. Do you know, that's, that's a slippery slope, actually. Because when the Spirit comes, He does the work. Here's the third thing. Hallmark. There was a deep concern for one another. All the believers were together, it says, verse 44, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Hey. Selfishness had been dealt with. When the Holy Spirit came, he gave these people a deep desire to know more of him, a longing for the things of God, and a deep concern about one another. You know, the interesting thing is this, that the, the early church grew, not just because of great preaching from Paul and the other apostles and others, others that we don't know about, we'll meet them when we get to glory. It grew because it was a distinctive Christian community. There was something different about it. In a world that thrived on slavery, where human beings were bought and sold, where children, if they were rejected at birth, were put out to die on the mountainside, where human life was cheap, where crowds cheered when gladiators slaughtered each other. In that kind of world, the distinctive thing was a loving Christian community and that's what the Spirit did. He made them that. And instead of this, this, this um, covetousness and deep desire to, 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 to gain more things, the Spirit came and all, you see, you see, what happened was that all the things that they had valued and, and thought precious before began to be of no value and the things that they had undervalued before began to be infinitely precious. The Holy Spirit changed everything. And for them, it then seemed absolutely wrong that there were any people in that fellowship who were in need. And so they, they said, no, 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 no. No, no, we will pool our, our resources to provide for others in need. Oh boy, oh boy. This is a revolution going on. 
And uh, if you want to take it a bit further, you can read Acts chapter 4 and 5. Stories about the way in which uh, this, is, this is pushed further. Let me just, uh, let me just uh, draw your attention to it. Uh, Acts uh, 4, 32. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostle continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person amongst them. Oh boy, you know the Spirit's moved when he touches the purse. When the Holy Spirit influences the bank account. Then you know. I think this is a real challenge to us. I think this... Boy, we live in a world with a whole different set of priorities. Where success is measured in terms of wealth. You say, oh, he must be somebody. Look at the car he drives. He's made it. Some of you know that I've, I've been undergoing uh, treatment in hospital a little for a little while, and I go and I sit in these waiting rooms. Hey, it's a great thing, because the waiting rooms give me access to magazines that I would not normally read. <laughs> it's a great thing. I now know what makes the rest of the world buzz. And I don't like what I know, actually. I don't like it. I don't like all this culture that says, you know, these are the heroes on whom we are supposed to model ourselves. Boy! I don't like all these magazines that tell me I'll know when I've made it because I'll be able to get this. And then, when I'm not satisfied with that, I'll be able to get the next thing. Hey, isn't it an interesting thing that one of the things that's happened in our society is that we've got an increased amount of storage facilities. So when you can't get it all in your home, you go to a storage facility and you pay somebody else to look after your rubbish. What's gone wrong? But when the Spirit comes, He changes everything. Because all those priorities are reversed. We used to sing a, a, a hymn, gospel song, when I came to faith. Things I loved before have gone away. Things I love far more are here to stay. Things are different now. Something happened that day when I gave my heart to Jesus. That's what happens when the Spirit comes. Here's the last thing. This church, constantly hungering for more of God, with a deep concern for one another, was also a constantly growing church. Look at this, the last verse. 
the Lord added to their number daily. It was constantly growing. It was their, their daily experience. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, let's, we could spend a long time on this. Let me just say this. It's the Lord who adds to the number. I say that because there's some people here, you think, if I just go on the next training course, I know how to do it. If we enrol the church for this scheme, we've cracked it. If we have this target group, we've done it. Oh. If it's to grow, it will be the Lord that adds. It will be when the Spirit moves and we're in line with His will, the Lord will do it. The Lord will add to the number. That's to say, yes, let's get it right, numerical growth is important as spiritual growth is important. But the people who added to the number are the people who are being saved. You know, some churches, not here of course, in other places, so they tell me, as soon as you walk in, you're given a job. Do you know what I mean? You move to a new area, you go in, and, and they're so desperate. You're given a job. If you took your dog, they'd make it a church member. Because <laughs> they're desperate. Desperate. But the number who were added were the people who were being saved. Hey, but the people who were being saved were added to the number. So it matters. It matters that we align ourselves with the people of God, that we stand together, that we say, I belong to Christ, but I belong to Christ, and so I belong to you. Hey, here we have it. The hallmarks of the church. I'd like to belong to a church like that, wouldn't you? Well, you can, because that's what happens when the Spirit comes.